Hello there, and welcome to a very special bonus episode of Pivotal Film. I'm Tom Nolan. And I'm Mario Ponzio. Or is that the voice we're doing for this? This is our bonus voice. The bonus voice episode. We didn't do this during the House of Jack built one. No, that's because we were sad and sleepy. Yeah. Um, but no, this is uh, we. there's too many movies out there, folks. Too many, and they have all dropped on top of us. In the last, like, week and a half. It's like a movie Big Boy. Yeah. The chain restaurant. Oh, I thought Big Boy was the bomb. Was, was it a Little boy? boy? I don't know. Damn. Now a... You know, Big Boy is like the kid with, like, the check overalls, and he's holding up a burger. Ah, I was thinking of Little Boy. That's, that's a tough one. That's a tough little break, Mario. bomb dropped in Hiroshima. Oh. What was the other bomb? What was the other bomb's name? I feel like it's problematic that those bombs had names. What is it? Little boy and... I don't know. Keep, keep talking. We're there um, now. So we saw... Uh, we've seen a bunch of movies, but we are specifically going to talk about three of the highest... Pro- fat Man. Fat Man and Little Boy. Great. Yeah. Um, we are going to talk about three of the highest profile Oscar contenders um, that have, like, throughout the year, every, that have been winning major awards... That have, um, that have been released. That have... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But these are like the three... I mean... I mean, it does, Netflix it does. Has, their, has their dual films But those out movies there. haven't won anything. Like, these are the movies oh, that from the beginning true. of festival season, people have been like, these three movies. Oh, and Joker. Don't forget Joker. No, I'm not talking... I'm going to forget Joker. I'm going to try to forget <laughs> Joker as much as humanly possible. <laughs> yeah. That movie um, sucked. That movie did suck. And I've talked to people... Everyone that I've talked to hates it. Which is weird. So during um, so one of the movies we're going to talk about is Jojo Rabbit. And during the beginning of Jojo Rabbit, I had to hear Joker in the, in the theater next to me. Uh-huh. And I was just getting mad. Getting mad. What, was it just like a lot of loud cello? It was just that opening. The, it was the opening part. So like the only kind of good song in that movie mm. that, that where he gets beat up. And I was like, oh, man. Those people are about ready to experience another two hours of this shitty fucking movie. Go fuck yourself, Todd Phillips. People must like it because that movie's made a ton of money. No, you know why people like it? And I've talked about this with every fucking person I've seen. Every fucking person. Do they like it? Yeah. Every, not every fucking person I've seen, but every fucking person I've seen. And this is going to be the most pretentious thing I've ever said in this podcast, but I am going to own it and live it. Is that possible? No, it is. (laughs) And I honestly will say this to everyone. They're like, it's such a really solid film and it delves into like... Thoughts of like, like I just I felt like there was like a real connection there and like emotion. And I was sitting there going like, like have you seen like you know, I'll say I'll see have you seen You're Never Really Here or I'll be like no oh, and I'll, I'll mention some other films and I'm like oh you just haven't seen a lot of films. That's awesome. I think and that's like, right. And and like in my head I'm like if I had not seen anything trying to do something real like if I hadn't really been a person going to the films if I wasn't somebody who like. Dedicate a lot Had of my seen free taxi time. driver before. Yeah, or dedicate a lot of my free time to just going to see movies. Like I might think Joker really knocked like the mental health thing out of the park. I might have thought that some of the things that Todd Phillips chose to do in terms of like showing flashbacks and showing that like you know Arthur is crazy. I would think they were really cool. I would look at Joaquin Phoenix, who I'd probably only seen in Gladiator before then, <laughs> and be like, you know what? This guy's a really good actor. But I've seen movies. Yeah. I've seen a lot of movies. And I can hold Joker up to those movies and be like, this movie fucking sucks. Yeah. I mean, it's a really interesting segue to talk about the first movie. Like, you mentioned mental health, and you mentioned... Adominable. Oh, Adominable. Are we already talking about that? 
It was fine. It had the best, worst use of a Coldplay song ever. It Arctic was like, Dogs. Arctic Dogs. No, we're going back to do Norm of the North, which is always free on every single streaming channel forever. And my kids saw that in the theaters. Did they? Did you, did you see that? No, I was, I was doing something else. I think did I was, you make up an excuse? No, I think I was chugling. And I think my wife and her father-in-law took every the kids time to see I hear whatever the word, is... Every t- whatever was what that a is before people think you were involved in some sort of weird sex act. That's one minute. Is this what a chugle is? is every that? time you say chugle, I actually just no, think... We just go I just think to... it was like a consumption of alcohol That's what it by is. a different orifice. Nope. It's just a lot of consumption of alcohol, uh, consumption of sandwiches while listening to all the records that my buddy has, which is like thousands of records. And that's it. And, and watching sometimes Police Academy movies. Mudflood. And talking about the Mudflood, yeah. Um, it was a good transition. It's not such a good transition anymore, but maybe it's still a good transition. You know what it is? It's a pretty painful but glorious transition. <laughs> yeah. So, the, yeah, the first movie, I guess, that is Pain and Glory. No ha sido un buen hijo, hijo mío. No. No. ¿Qué haces aquí? Tengo que hablar contigo. 32 años me ha costado reconciliarme con esta película. Si no escribes ni ruedas, ¿qué vas a hacer? Vivir, supongo. Ten cuidado conmigo, eh. Tú eres muy novelero. Estoy con Salvador Mayo. This movie is written and directed by Pedro Almodovar. Um, it stars Antonio Banderas' Salvador Malo, who is a film director, um, but who hasn't directed a film in a long time because he hurt his back and is sad um, because of the death of his mother and other stuff. Um, he needs to be, really feels like he needs to be in full health. He needs to be a whole person to direct a film, and he just hasn't felt that way in a long time. Um, but an art house theater has decided to do a showing of his uh one of his most famous works uh sabor and that he's agreed to do a Q&A with the star of that movie alberto crespo played by do you want to are you ready for this here uh, it's the end yeah so the problem with not being able to say this movie mario is i may very well be saying his name later like in the year Oh. And I feel like we're I feel like well, I'm not gonna get it there either. Let's call him up and be like, "How do you say your name?" How do you say name? your name? And also, do you want to be on this podcast? And he'll be like, "Well, let's not say my name, and please lose my number." Yeah. Um, they had a rocky history, um, and the nature of that history kind of gets meted out piece by piece as the movie goes on. Um, Alberta was really into heroin at the time. Um, he's still into heroin. So when Salvador goes to see him, he smokes some heroin with him, and he feels good. And the heroin brings him back, we think, to, well, I guess it does, to thinking about his, his childhood and thinking about his mother and thinking about um, the, the house that they lived in, which was in a cave, and thinking about all the people um, from his past. Um, and he, he doesn't direct movies and he doesn't write movies but he's been writing little pieces and one day uh, he gets high with Alberto and Alberto goes over to his computer and, 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 and 
you know, he's got all these files across his desktop and he picks one that's called Addiction. And it's about, it's a story about a, 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 a relationship that went bad because one of the people in the relationship was uh, addicted to drugs. And Alberto asks to to deliver this this piece of writing as like a dramatic monologue and, and after some, you know, handering and stuff like that, um, you know, it's hard to kind of, this is a hard movie to kind of describe because there's all these little moments where like nothing really much happens, but like, you know, it keeps moving the plot forward. I agree to do it. And the person who is described in that, you know, in the essay, in the short story, I think it's like a short story. Um, it's framed as a short story. Um, ends up seeing the show and he reconnects with Alberto and, or he reconnects with Salvador and, and um, he makes Salvador see certain aspects of, of his life that Salvador had been missing um, previously. Um, it's kind of a strange film. It's not... Uh, there's like a weird interlude where there's like some animation where Salvador's kind of talking Talk about, about all the things ailments, that ailments. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, there's some voiceover. Penelope Cruz plays his and who is, she is fucking excellent in this movie. She plays his mother in, um, you know, these, uh, these scenes from his past. Um, one of the scenes from his past is like that we get the first time he saw a, a naked man. Um, there's all these things that kind of link up to everything else. And I think ultimately what this movie is about is about Salvador becoming aware that I think he's really tried to compartmentalize his life. There's all these things that he hasn't thought are related to each other. Like each moment of this life has been like a different kind and unique pain. And they're not, they're all stemming from this first original thing. And, um, you know, there's all these great metaphors for that. Like, you know, like I said, the desktop on his computer. Like, there's all these little files, and we can assume they're all little stories. They're all little histories. He's got these two paintings that this museum wants to borrow for a retrospective, but he keeps them. You know what I mean? They're not part of the whole. They're all... Or even... They're all in these individual things. No, they're, it's my individual thing. It's, 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 it's not related to anything else. But then he realizes that they are related and then we find out that like the moments from his past that we've been seeing is like his new film that he's been making about his childhood you know what i mean mm. it's all and it's called the first desire and it's it it seems to suggest that everything his life up to a certain point has the way that it's the trajectory of his life was stemmed from that initial that that first desire you know what i mean that first that first vision he had um I really found this movie to be intense, really intensely beautiful. Um, how we're going to talk about a movie, you had like a similar response to a different movie that we're going to talk about. Um, it, I, it was the the performance part like had me almost in tears also. Um, the end of the movie had me almost in tears. Like the conversation he has with his mother like right before she dies when you know he she says that he was a disappointment to her and um had me almost in tears it's really it's very subtle and it's very um not ostentatious but it is in it is very emotional and extremely beautiful and like these performance like the three main performances in it 
are all just fucking great. I mean, Antonio Banderas is very understated, but that understatement, he carries that movie, and I think in a way that, like, a similar way to, like, Leonardo DiCaprio in, like, The Revenant, where he has to, Antonio Banderas has to be in that movie. He has to be in that role. He That role has to be performed by someone with, like, a charisma and gravity, even muted, that we feel this is worth we feel this is a journey worth going on with him um and it is i mean it's going to be very it's going to be very high up on my list of 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 best movies of the year i i it's i would recommend this movie to anybody who just wants to see like a really well-made like emotional film um that's different than joker you know what i mean that hits some of the same things uh, some like similar, not, not similar ideas, about it, but like deals with depression and mental health in a much more human way, a much more emotional way. Um, and I didn't give one second of thought to Joker when I was watching this movie. I'm just tying it to what we were talking about before. Yeah. Um, but what did you think of this? It's 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 a starkly amazing production in terms of its performances. Um, those, those three. You know, lead performances are just tremendous. There's, there's humor when there needs to be humor. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a real charisma between um, like when they're talking, like yeah. between Crespo and, and uh, Salvador. Mm-hmm. Um, I I still find myself not liking Pedro Almodor as a as a director. I'm not I, a I big. Don't, I don't yeah. connect necessarily to what he's emotionally doing, and I don't find him to be a particularly. Um, talented director in terms of visually telling a story i noticed a lot during these flashback sequences that there's a real attention to the color palette um Mm -hmm. you know you get a lot of later on like that pull sequence um you know or kind of like when he's kind of wandering through his house as he's older like everything's kind of washed out in blue kind of like that very prototypical you know very very modern very modern on the point and on the nose sort of uh display of melancholia Mm -hmm. Um, melancholy, not melancholia. There was lightning shooting through his fingers. <laughs> uh, of melancholy. Um, you know, c- contrasted with this, this like stark color and, and vibrance when he's younger. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I found myself kind of comparing that in a lot of ways visually to like Victor and Ritchie's Spirit of the Beehive. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much because both of them deal with like film and the power of film, mm-hmm. but you know, that, that palette, that vibrancy and light and color, or even some like Devil's Backbone, um, Films that are kind of like concentrated on the perspective of, of a child and the, the the visual kind of wonder or the visual kind of creative um, belief of a child that, that 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 seeing that world in that color or even something like um, because of how much this deals with memory like call me by your name mm. you know that that palette and that control of the palette and that isn't here you know it's 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 there well, but it's 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 not necessarily flat but it feels too stated. See, and I would argue that so because Richard Brody kind of made this will, point in his I'll, review. And I'll also. argue this: the only like Pedro Amador film I really like is The Skin They Live In. Yeah, and that's just because I really like Eyes Without a Face, and it feels like a modernization of Eyes Without. A I'm going to be very honest with you. I don't like. I've never. I haven't responded to a Pedro Almodovar movie until this. Like they all seem very mannered and Pedro Almodovar-y, Where I think this one, this seems much more honest. I don't know if it's, it's really earnest. But. I don't know if the childlike thing is really because so I was gonna say is did you read the Richard Brody review and so Richard Brody kind of came down on this movie a little bit in the sense because <laughs> well, he's been doing that a lot recently. Um, I angrily 
texted you about page, about or sent you a text about Richard Brody's yeah. miscategorizing like an entire part of a movie. Um, he kind of came down to this for like um, like a show not tell thing where he's just kind of telling us how he feels. I'm not 100% sure that's true. No, no, this, this is doing a lot of showing. And I just don't necessarily think it's a controlled show. But I don't think it's. I think, talent, it, but like, I think talent, it is. Con- the reason I think it's controlled showing is because I think whenever you see a child. the wrong word. Whenever you see a child and whenever you see. Like it's, you're getting that perspective, seemingly perspective of a child. I think we tend to say, like, well, we tend to look for, like, the wonder of, like, the new thing. But I don't think that's true. I think this is. I think his child. The memories we're seeing are a construction. No, exactly, and, I, and that's so, why that's why I compare it to like "Call Me by Your Name" because like it's it is construction. But they're uh, even so contained within that. Those constructions are metaphors for like the problems that he's having as an adult. So like the idea of the guy that he's teaching to read that he like inevitably sees naked that paints that picture of him that eventually comes back to him after all of those years. Like he's putting up this tile over the sink for like the whole movie. You know what I mean? That's his. That's the their payment for his payment for like Salvador teaching him how to read is he's putting up this tile, and it's that's just like another perfect metaphor for like individually these things make no sense. They have to be. They have to be looked at together. They have to be seen together. From this moment to this moment, has to be considered to really consider your life. You have to consider the whole thing. You can't just. You know, you can't have two pictures missing. You can't have a, a desktop full of, like, individual files and say, like, this is just this story. This is just this story. Like, it's not attached to anything. Everything has to be attached to everything. Um, so the modern, the like, the juxtaposition between, the, like, the modern palette and that kind of earlier memory palette... Um, I think it has to be filtered through the adult Salador's like thinking, I, and I'm not sure that that's. And so he's can be, and because we it ultimately ends up being a movie, like he's constructing that he's constructing metaphors inside of a metaphor. You know what I mean? It just, I mean, I guess when I say control, it feels too neat, and I would compare it to like Terrence Davies' like Distant Voices, Still Lives. Mm-hmm. You ever see that? Um, you know, Terrence Davies kind of like famous for some of the documentaries he did in the 80s. Um, But it's kind of like a semi-autobiographical tale as well. Kind of was done two years apart. Um, I think it was filmed two years apart using the same cast. But it's it's basically about him growing up in the 40s and then later on in the 50s. And really prominently deals too with the influence of kind of like pop culture or Mm -hmm. or film. Um, And and that, like, there's an earnestness in this in, in the terms of the performances and the relationships between, you know, the actors there. And I, I think Pedro knows how to do that, knows how to film acting, knows how to create block block a scene sort of thing. Or, 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 oh, he's or, not or rewriting, acting. like, the film, no, like, no, no, the no. language of film here. No, no, exactly. Um, and the emotion comes through with the people, but, like, they might as well almost be performing, like, on a stage. But that's, and, isn't and, that, and really, like, that's ultimately it, what I want. Feels, like, I don't really give a shit if at it, the same time, like, he's trying to do these other things, and they become distractions. No, but I think me. it's, it's like, it, that's a really, 
that's a really interesting thought because you can tie that. I think there is supposed to be things that are happening on a stage because there is like a scene later that's like happening on a stage. Oh, like know, these things could be, these things are translatable. Like he could go on, Alberto can go on giving these monologues forever. He could just take pieces of, of Salvador's life and keep delivering these things on a stage. Like life, I mean, to do a Shakespeare thing, like, you know, all life is a stage and whatever, blah, 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 blah. I mean, I think there's a lot of that here. I think there's a lot of of reconciling performance with life, art with life, and he's really kind of steering into the, like, art happening while life is happening aspect of it, represented with just kind of like a flat perspective on a lot of things, just like people sitting talking. Like, I, the, the great... I suppose they could have shot that differently when they're doing the interview, the Q&A over the phone. You know what I mean? Where they're both just kind of sitting at a table. Like another director would have like had them sitting across from each other and would have shown like a close-up of one guy's face and then a close-up of another guy's face. But he's just got like a medium shot of two guys just sitting there like goofing around with a, uh, I think it's a jar of pills or, or something. Or it was maybe they were doing coke. Or he was snorting some heroin or something. You know what I mean? Um, it's just like, just kind of like a, a flat shot. You know what I mean? And the camera doesn't move like a ton. It's just people talking. And I, re- I really respond to that. I'm, I'm, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. I'm, I'm growing slightly suspicious of the more cinema, of like, of cinema. And then see, of people doing cinema. And at the same time, I'm moving more towards appreciating films doing cinema. Like, I, like, I am. This is, this has been kind of like the thesis kind of of the podcast that like, the difference between you and I yeah. in terms of me seeing peak cinema has that, that fusion between performance sound and imagery. Mm. And, and to me, this, this, this nails performance sound is often kind of like the third player. Um, but like the imagery in this feels as though it's a couple steps behind the yeah. performance. And, I, and which I think is fair. And, 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 I and, tend and to not care about it. Bother though. me so much if he wasn't, trying hard like he's he feels like he's trying here but i think it's do a, that so it's, it's an awesome thing to say because we're going to juxtapose this with another film where i think this film succeeds a little more than the other film that's trying really hard the movie the two movies from now i we could say both of them but i think two movies from now specifically i don't think the next movie we're talking about is trying to do trying to reinvent the wheel too much with that. Oh, there's certain no, he's things. definitely not trying to reinvent the wheel he's just said like that's a nice wheel I'll use that one <laughs> um, and I guess speaking of films that you're saying are playing to that tried and true wheel um, the next film that we'll be discussing is the Taka Waititi movie uh, Jojo Rabbit you know what I am say a Jew Gesundheit that was intense. What am I going to do? No idea. Got it! I was negotiating. Burn down the house and blame Winston Churchill. Or negotiate. If I tell on you, you'll be in big trouble. They'll never win. Love is the strongest thing in the world. Your mother took me in. She's kind. She treats me like a person. You two seem to be getting on well. She doesn't seem like a bad person. I'm the enemy. You're not a Nazi, Jojo. You're a ten-year-old kid who likes dressing up in a funny uniform and wants to be part of a club. Jojo, 
Jojo is a 10-year-old boy who is nervous about his weekend away at a Hitler youth camp. But he is reassured by his imaginary friend, Adolf Hitler, who's supportive and excited for him to say Heil Hitler quite often. Uh, Jojo goes off to the Hitler youth camp with his uh, best friend, Yorkie, but is um, kind of out of place there. He, 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 he expresses the sort of jingoistic, nationalistic pride of uh, the youth there as well, but he is a little more apprehensive about the dirty parts of war. Um, he is tasked with murdering a rabbit. He is unable to, and so one of the older teenagers kills the rabbit in front of him, and that is how he gets the Jojo Rabbit nickname because of how much of a scared little rabbit he is. He runs away. He runs off, is then encouraged by Adolf to show him how much of a man he is and to take ownership of Jojo Rabbit, and he does so by running back and grabbing a grenade and throwing it as hard as he can into a tree, causing it to bounce back and explode, thus ruining his leg and scarring his face. Um, now, knowing that he will not be able to serve in the war, uh, this is the, the last year of the war, um, Germany is being forced face down upon all sides. He is um, put into Captain Kletzendorf's service uh, with propaganda and with preparing for the battle that was coming to Berlin. Mm -hmm. uh, Kletzendorf being... Uh, Sam Rockwell and and the Hitler youth camp leader who has been slowly demoted because of a series of uh, misfortunes. Um, Jojo is is given menial tasks and is thus has spends a lot of time home alone. His sister has recently died of influenza and his father has uh, disappeared uh, for two years, um, having been in a battle in Italy and being accused of having that was my legs having been accused of <laughs> runoff. His mother, Rosie, is, is often away, and uh, one day he discovers a strange noise upstairs and in a crawl space finds Elsa, uh, a Jewish girl who has been hitted by Rosie. Um, Jojo does not know how to handle this. Uh, Adolf, him and Adolf argue and fight over what is to happen, and Jojo decides to uh, write a book about the true nature of the Jewish people in order to really find out what Jewish people are like, their horns and their love of blood and of the tips of penises to put inside rabbi's ears. And they sleep upside down like bats. Uh, indeed. Um, meanwhile, he also accuses Rosie of being uh, unpatriotic and evil. Uh, not necessarily evil, unpatriotic and uh, unwilling to devote, her, devote herself to the causes of Hitler and the Nazi party. Mm -hmm. Um over time, Jojo discovers that Jewish people are people like himself. Um, he is eventually confronted by the Gustapo who come into the house because they have heard a rumor of um, unpatriotic and subversive behavior. Yep. Um, Great Stephen Merchant. Yeah, appearance. good. Heil Hitler, Heil Hitler. <laughs> a really, really good running joke there. Um, Eventually, they all, Elsa and him, are left alone totally in the house. Um, Jojo discovers uh, that he is falling in love with Elsa. Um, and eventually, the war comes to Berlin as the Americans and Russians uh, descend upon Germany. Um, 
and he finds out that Hitler has killed himself and, and things kind of spiral out and Jojo emerges from this realizing that uh, his previous beliefs were misfounded and then him and Elsa dance. It's good dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, going into this movie, I, I, I had trepidation. Uh, extreme trepidation. It ends up, you know, it, it, reviews for it had been um, tempered at best over time. Uh, it had started out receiving some solid reviews, and then uh, critically, things started to seem to implode for it. Until well, because it, then, it won the fucking... And then it won the TIFF Audience Award. Yeah. Uh, almost guaranteeing its spot in the Best Picture race. Well, it's just, it became a really problematic movie to talk about. Because, like, yeah, you... Because the, the ultimate kind of argument about it had, and we'll, we'll discuss this, um, had been its uh, responsibility of its message and its um, possible uh, inability or indecision at going far enough or making a strong enough criticism but there's of also, its material. But there's also a whole bunch of people, and not just... Armand White, who should be expected to make a stupid review like this, but like was criticizing this I've been movie, pretty much keeping away from reviews as much as I could, yeah, except for the Brody they, one. Um, we're pretty much saying that they were kind of taking this movie to task for making fun of people's devotion to things, like so making fun of people's like fanaticism, like poking fun at like these people. It's like, well. Are we just so defending it, it, Nazism? Yeah. Like, what are we defending here? It becomes I don't a, understand. It becomes a damned if you do, damned if you don't, because Richard Brody and others on the other side are saying that you're presenting people who are fanatically obsessed with these ideologies as human beings with a perspective. You know, Richard Brody ends his review with, uh, you know, the, 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 the great, quote, quote, unquote line of um, rather the movie ultimately cautions against easy contempt and dismissal of them by liberals and progressives. He's then talking about the Republican Trump cultists. As he says, uh, there are a lot of very fine people on both sides and says that this movie kind of, you know, rests in that message, um, which is ridiculous to me. Uh, we'll get to maybe the, the social aspects of this film. Yeah, later. maybe. I, I think I think maybe it's it's better to review this as a film, um, because I don't care about it and you don't care about it. I'm assuming, well, like as a, as we're not film? like holding oh, this. Oh no, like, I, I don't. I'm not I'm, thinking of like the uh, social responsibility of Taika Waititi. No, I, I, I actually I, I do have. I, I guess I have an opinion on that, but not necessarily. I think it it's it's doing something right with that. I have an opinion too, but I don't think it's one that makes. But it's that not changes my judgment. Changes my judgment right, of the right. film, and my judgment of the film is is this fucking blew me away. Um, and surprisingly so. Uh, as you said, it doesn't reinvent the wheel. It's it's doing a lot of kind of West. An- I always hate to say West Anderson. It's not Anderson Wes Anderson. Things, it's, Spike not West jo- Anderson. it's Spike Jones. It's Spike Jones. Yeah, it's Spike Jones. Yeah, yeah, you're more right. Because um, yeah, of like the especially the animated imagery of like the butterflies in the stomach. Well, just I mean, there's stuff that looks a lot like Wes Anderson, but then when you if you've seen not just like the yeah Spike thinking, Jones like, stuff. Like, this isn't, if you watch Where the Wild Things Are, this movie loves... Like, Taika Waititi obviously loves Where the Wild Things the Are. The aspect ratio and framing of the shots kind of has... Um, not, it's, a, it's not Wes Anderson, but it's, it's something... It's, uh, the irre- it's like the Spike Jones irreverence. You know what I mean? No, yeah. And emotionally, but like in terms of its shot composition, it just reminds me of a lot of kind of like mid-90s uh, kid, kids' movies. Not kids' movies necessarily, but like 
something like heavyweights even. Um, mm. Like there's there's a certain kind of like framing of how everything's so centered and and you know it's aspect it's not full yeah focused aspect it, it's it's more square I don't mm-hmm. know the exact aspect ratio it's definitely not the 1.181 one of a the lighthouse. lighthouse but it's it's definitely more square um, but it is emotionally manipulative to to the max um, it, it guides your hand exactly in the way it wants you to feel mm-hmm. and I would typically I typically argue that emotional manipulation can be either a vehemently great thing or an absolutely bomb of, of a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and this knew what it was doing. Uh, just, 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 you know, we don't care about spoilers here. Um, we don't. When you first see the shots of, of the people hanging and it focuses on you know the blue shoe of the woman and then you see the swimming pool and you see Scarlett Johansson walking back and forth and it's just focusing on her shoes, I'm like... Yeah, she's getting hung, and we're going to just see the shoes. Keep an eye out for the shoes. Like, And then I show you the shoes again when she's walking on the, um, the riverside. Yep. And, um, you know, then, then it just cuts to eventually the shoes. And like, I'm like, this is not going to work. This isn't – this is going to be just so utterly ham-fisted and so, like, dialed, like, you know, paint-by-numbers – that it's just it's going to make me just roll my eyes, and when it finally happens, and I give I give credit to to like first time actor you know Roman Griffin Davis here, like the way he just commits to that, mm-hmm. just works resoundingly well for me, and and the emotional resonance that then carries there to when he goes to stab her and uh, to goes to stab Thomas McKenzie, who, mm-hmm. by the way, for the Oscar talk we've been talking about in terms of, um like Johansson like there's a lot of talk for Johansson in this I think she's has to borrow a wrestling term a solid hand in that she does a great service to the other performance in that she provides some sort of a backbone to it in the same way that Sam Rockwell does Thomas McKenzie blows me away in this see I disagree with you I think Scarlett Johansson is like the single performance revelation in this movie oh really I think everyone else is Thomas McKenzie is just great and I will give and we, I don't want to talk about this right now. All credit in the, if this movie is success at all, and it is in a lot of ways, it's because the casting director, whoever that person may be, is a fucking genius. Yeah, because everything is right. Every casting decision is right, and to the point where they just invented people, like you know, um, Roman Griffin Davis. They could have just fucking made him in a lab, but he's perfect. Yeah, like. Archie Yates as Yorkie, who doesn't even like come up as like a person a on like two, Wikipedia or anything a, like, like that. A, a very small Nick Frost. He is fucking believable. Like just, just his like, and it's, and it's a trailer line, but um, his you know two two great lines in this. You know when he says like it's it's a bad time to be it. It sure is a bad time to be a Nazi. Yeah, and as I'm just a fat boy in a fat boy suit, <laughs> are just. So pitch perfect at its time. And I give that credit for like, Taka Watiki knowing how to do sure, it. Sure, sure, like, sure, sure. guy's a phenomenal comedy director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Hunt for the Wilder People and um, What We Do in the Shadows both just fucking nail the comedic moments when they need to. And like that, th- like this is hilarious when it needs to be. Um, but, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't see, I see Scarlett Johansson as great in this, but I don't see her as a revelation. I actually think it's a turn for her. 
as an as it's an different. actress. It's way different than anything she's done. It's post. It's the first thing I've seen her do post Under the Skin, which makes me think that like Under the Skin did something weird to her. Like it just kind of opened her. Oh, up me, and you, as, me and you talk about Under the Skin being like like that's the thing like that's the thing for me from her. Well, I wonder if it opened her up to something. That, and like so, Ghost World. And so now, I love her in Ghost World. But Ghost World is her second movie or her third yeah. movie or something after the Horse Whisperer. Um, was that is that before after Eight Legged Freaks? Bef- I don't know when Eight Legged Freaks. Is. I mean, Eight Legged <laughs> acting alongside Titan David Arquette will cause you to become a top tier. Listen, we've all met David Arquette. He's we're all changed people after having met David Arquette. He almost killed himself in a wrestling <laughs> match. He almost slit his own throat accidentally. Um, True but story. continue, continue. Um, but but just just to respond back to that, just just that. That emotional manipulation happens, and it just keeps happening. But, it, you know, you, you get to, you know, that final battle sequence, which it's a PG-13 movie, and they, you know, it's it actually has, like, shots of, like, when people are getting shot. It's not just a bloodless shot. Like, there's actually people, when they get shot, they, they spurt out blood. The ratings um, don't mean anything anymore. No, they don't. Yeah. But, you know, Rebel Wilson, who somehow, for the first time I've seen Rebel Wilson and stuff, I'm like, yep, that that's, like, like I typically like Rebel Wilson usually is is unhinged. She's she's let to go too far into mm-hmm. her like manicness, and and this controls it mm-hmm. in a way where where it just her manic behavior propels her her kind of like nationalistic fervor. Um, they make a joke about a small child becoming a suicide bomber. And, you know, that could be the one point where you're like, is that too far? But it works. And it works in both the ways of it's hilarious. You know, just run and hug the first, like, American you see. Um, and it also works in building up that horror. And, and you know, it carries all the way through in, until that end when they're just kind of, like, dancing. You know? Mm-hmm. It, it, it is – you 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 I, at least for myself, like, was manipulated in a way where I cried when you see Rosie hanging. But it – and, and, and kept those kind of like tears and fear up in a certain way until that ending, but they're kind of like it changes. And and you're for me, I, I actually felt like, oh, thank God, JoJo became something else, you know. And I thought like going into like after like even though I knew she was going to die, Rosie was going to die, I was like they're probably going to kill off like Elsa too, or they're going to do something else. Like they're going to keep going down this rabbit hole. And I'm glad they don't, but I'm glad they kind of like. Don't kill off Yorkie, you know. They yeah. they they do they do that that great Klesendorf scene where you know where the Russian soldiers are lining them up to to summarily murder or execute them. Um, yeah, clearly Taika Waititi also has heard of Gravity's Rainbow <laughs> because that's like that whole sequence with him is very um, Pynchon esque. Yeah, um, but still a still a book I was never able to get all the way through. It didn't that doesn't happen in there, but like he frames. World War Two in this like very absurd way that a guy dressed like that going into like fight a battle was totally in line with something that he would have done. Oh, I do love the touch of like the pink triangles to like really, oh yeah to really pinpoint how gay he like that the fact that him and Alfie Allen are gay like the pink triangles being the things that were used by Nazis well, I just to love, identify gay men. I like how in the begin I like. I appreciate that more when you think about the beginning of the movie when he's at the Hitler Youth Camp. He's like, oh, I got discharged because of my eye. But would one guy with one eye can – could one guy with one eye do this? And he, like, shoots all this stuff. And he clearly was discharged because he's gay. Like, it has nothing to do with his eye. He can shoot everything. In a movement that, like, 
values killing over everything. Like, he is a killing machine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, just, you know, in terms of an actual film, um, it, it's not one of the startling best movies of the year. But mm-hmm. in terms of its way to just, you know, punch me in the gut and stay there, it does that. I, mean, I, 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 I hate to do this, but uh, sometimes films can... Films aren't necessarily great. And this, this Jojo Rabbit's significantly better than the movie I'm going to compare it to. But certain forces come together at times and work so absolutely well that they have an ability to, to really grind you. And I compare the 2006 Adam Sandler movie Click in the sense that Click... <laughs> and I'm sorry, Taki Waititi, who's probably really... Who, if he ever, for some reason, heard a podcast like this, would be like, yeah, fuck yeah. Somebody not talking about my social responsibility and my fun little comedy. Um, like that movie manipulated and somehow did it well in certain spots where he actually, you know, it, it got to me, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, compared to like someone else like Pan's Labyrinth, which, you know, knows how to emotionally manipulate in all the right ways because Guillermo del Toro is just fucking Guillermo del Toro, except when he did Shape of Water. Well, he just and, stabs you in the face with emotional manipulation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But like these, it, this just was a movie that it's so often it's so often tried and so often fails, and for me this just nailed that. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know what? And so actually, this is a perfect turn because you know why this movie didn't have that effect for me. Hitler. Um, there is literally only one scene in this whole fucking movie where Hitler needs to be there, and it is like the grenade scene. Because he has to be able to get over his, like, feeling ashamed of himself. And then feel powerful enough that he runs and grab, like, leaps over guys and, like, grabs a grenade and then stops in midair and does a thing and throws a grenade. He has to feel powerful and he's not going to feel that way on his own. He needs someone to make him feel that way. Every other Hitler scene in this movie is totally extraneous and is meaningless and is garbage yeah I guess. and it's not because he's hitler i don't care that he's hitler i think in a certain context this is really funny if the script was better and he had they, if there was a better use for him i would say i would be all over taika Waititi as hitler yes i don't care about like the hitler stuff the character is useless and he doesn't and he dis- when he comes back at the end of the movie, he hadn't been in the movie in like a half hour. Yeah, he's, he's disappeared for a while. And then he's just like, oh, what's going on? And then he kicks him out the fucking window. But that's just in the way of like actual emotions happening here. And I, and I think it, it's a weird framing device for sure. Because as the, the film starts and, and Hitler is super well composed, you know, he's, he's groomed. He has this little weird eccentricities of offering, you know, Jojo cigarettes all the time. Um, but he starts off as like this, like idealized version of of Hitler and slowly transcends into like the uh, the dictator, the, mm-hmm. the, the crazed dictator that he is. And it's supposed to be a framing device to show you how JoJo's mindset is also changing. Yeah. But I would say that's done in disservice because the movie itself is it's solid enough well, to do that. For so you. here's what I would say. So I'm. I actually, I liked it. I enjoyed, when he wasn't on the screen, I really kind of enjoyed what he was trying to do. I think there's a real, there is an opening in the culture for this, for looking at things, for looking at terrible things this way. And I, well, I almost think, I almost think this movie isn't made, though, without him, do, without that being done, which is unfortunate. 
How so? What do you mean? Like, I don't think they allow this movie. I don't think this movie, you know, who, who's this? Fox Searchlight? I don't mm-hmm. think Fox Searchlight pushes this through without that premise of imaginary friend Adolf Hitler. Like, it because seems like it's in service. It drums of, up the con- enough controversy to get people to go get tickets for it? To go get tickets or at least just to well, be a unique... Yeah. I mean, I guess if it's just like a kid is a Hitler youth realizes, oh, what the fuck? Well, you it's know? A, so when it... Bro- when Hitler's not there, it's a Monty Python movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's there is a there is a place in in the culture for that type of comedy. I mean, almost almost paper. Yeah, yeah. Or in, but just like the whole Stephen Merchant like thing, where like it's really the that's the value of doing a movie this way is because it's really funny and really tense at the exact same time, yeah. and that creates a thunderstorm of emotions in a viewer. So you can have him picking up the book, and, uh, him picking up Yuhuju and like flipping through it and being like, oh, this, you know, it's, it's, it's funny, funny because it's, it's true. true. Um, all that other stuff is like, oh, you really, you really made my day. It's hilarious. But it's also really fucking scary because you love that girl and you love this little yeah, and boy. That's why, and that's why what's, what's humorous to me, too, is, is comparing it to the movie we're going to talk about. Um, even though I think the movie where, you know, Parasite is, is a, the better kind of like film production. Sure. Oh God. Yeah. There's, there's two similar shots in Parasite and in um, Jojo Rabbit. And I think Jojo Rabbit does it better emotionally because you do care about those characters and because it is more of a, a a desperate experience. Um, It is a shot where in Parasite where um, I can't, I don't remember his name, but the, the, the old housemaid's um, husband is in the basement and the What's camera and the camera shows, you know, the family upstairs and it yeah. comes down and it shows him downstairs kind of like alone and like experiencing that, um, you know, the, the, yeah. the, the desperate nature of that versus when Rosie and Jojo are dancing and it pans up to, to Elsa, you know, kind of sitting there with just like the, the small little light. You know, and like those two shots are the same fucking shot, but like, even though it looks better, you know, surrounded by kind of like this better film in Parasite, like in terms of an emotional experience, yeah, we're gonna get Jojo Rabbit kind of nails that. And that's Parasite's a weird one. I wish that Hitler was not in this movie. I wish he didn't fucking do it because yeah, no, I I got to the point. He's 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 extraneous. I I again, I thought the Scarlett Johansson. Let's let's go through. I like I I like I like. Like like the con like they're like Takabe Tiki's great in it like is good in it like yeah I think he's funny and but like his... there's some funny ass lines from him like the offering of the cigarettes running joke is great but I do agree that he does seem to exist only has a necessity for this movie to exist like I don't think yeah it, I don't think as a tag you know this movie exists but to the point the, though where has imaginary friend Hitler I should I was so invested in the relationship between um, Jojo and his mother. I was so invested in Scarlett Johansson's performance. I was so invested in Scarlett Johansson's relationship or with uh, Rose's relationship with Elsa. Like, it's interesting. We're actually this one of the few movies where we're talking in character names and not actor yeah. names. Like that actually kind of is like a testament. Yeah, to the it. presence of but the presence of of the Hitler character remo- like detracts from all that emotion. So when Rosie died, I actually was sitting and waiting for it to feel something, and I was like, I don't care. Because Taika Waititi has made it so I don't have to care about this. Because he's just twisted the emotions to the funny, to the pointlessly funny, that I don't, like, I don't, I can't feel any way about this anymore. You know what I mean? Um, and maybe it's because yeah, I just accepted Hitler being there. 
as like a funny aside. I like... but the thing I went in knowing, we all went in knowing like essentially what was going to happen. Like you could see it in the trailers. You know what I mean? Like he's Hitler's imagine. Hitler is his imaginary friend, and Hitler is obviously crazy. I hope the people that live on the other side of your wall here in the Pivotal Club Studios that are renting this space have a lot of questions about what the hell we're talking about because we've just yelled Hitler like fifty <laughs> times in the last twenty minutes. They're like, "Oh, that Richard Broder review really got sent too." Um, but I, I, but I couldn't, I couldn't feel anything because he had, he made it so I didn't, I, I, I couldn't because he was just goofing around. So it was a thing. It was a movie that went from a goofball movie to like a really serious movie done in like a goofy way, but that just heightens the emotion of it. You know what I mean? Like, it just, it bummed me the fuck out because has this bones because there's not that many Hitler scenes. You know what I mean? If you just take out the Hitler scenes and just have Jojo describe to people and how much he loves Hitler and have the posters on his wall and like dress like a Hitler youth. Like we know what the Hitler youth represent. Oh, this is a boy's room. They represent. Yeah. Hey, there he is. Like, yeah. um, we, God, I love Steve Merchant. We That's... know what being in the Hitler youth means. We know what being a Nazi means. He doesn't have to be there. Also, Stephen, really quick. Question: Is Stephen Merchant wearing lifts in that one scene where he's talking to I forgot is he talking to Crip, um, to Gletzendorf where like he's like a f- foot and a half tall? He had no, no, right? no. Sam Rockwell is short and Stephen Merchant's very tall. Okay, yeah, because I was just like, whoa. So Stephen Merchant's <laughs> in a couple episodes of The Good Place and Ted Danson I think is pretty tall mm-hmm. and he's taller than Ted Danson. <laughs> okay, so yeah, he's just a big guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, I get it, but I wish I could I wish I could have gotten it. Because I think I was ready for it. You know what I mean? Like, the movie had made so many good choices. It was weird that it made this one really bad choice. No, I, I think that's fair. Um, to get just, uh, just like the social... A- I don't know. Do we talk about the social aspect of it? Well, I, what, mean, I mean, what is it? It's clearly a comedy. It's clearly not pro-Nazis. And are we no, saying like, that it's... Are we also, saying that it's uh, really quickly, problematic though, that thing, it's not... One thing, Richard Brody, if you're listening to this, fix your goddamn review. There's a part where he says... He's talking about the joke of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, hearing a noise upstairs, Jojo investigates, uh, paraphrasing, finds a cut in the wood panel, pries it open with his knife, discovers a space where a girl's hiding... Uh, Jojo's scared when he finds her. He thinks she's a ghost. She denies it, and he says, "Who?" He sa- He asks, "Who are you?" She answers, "A Jew," and he responds, "Gesundheit." This is the best joke of the movie. Dude, Brody, fix that. <laughs> it's the opposite, the complete opposite. All the everything you're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the entire like realization that's the opposite. And that, no, the, and, I mean, because the best joke of the movie is when Scarlett Johansson says, "Love is the strongest thing in the world," and Jojo replies, "I think you'll find that metal is the strongest thing in the world," <laughs> followed by dynamite and then muscles. <laughs> yeah. That's the best joke of the movie. But that's the thing. That's when this movie really works is when he's he's allowing he's he's a kid. He's established that he's a fucking kid. And I think that, I think that's the thing. Like like the criticism about this is interesting from both sides. For one, the obvious side to argue against is is the you know the the Armand White side of just like we don't even have to like grant those a thought. The, the problem with this opposite side of it saying it's not going far enough 
to criticize is, Nazis. To criticize Nazis, like it, it, it is like you know, like don't worry, it's, yeah, it's going plenty far. Like enough. any person that's a bl- like completely blind fanatic to it, who's not like secretly hiding out and, and, and opposing it in their own ways. Like we, you can assume that Kletzendorf is is really not dead, super dedicated to um, no, he to the knows. Nazi and there's actually even the argument that. Uh, and this is like a Reddit thing, and I have to go back and rewatch the film. That when you see him and Alfie Allen shooting in the direction they're shooting, they're actually, if you're looking at the, um, like the the location, yep, and, and the placement of their gun, they're actually shoot. The, the arg- some people have been saying they're actually shooting in the direction of where the Germans are. But you don't even have to go that but far. Like, yeah, he's clearly far. working. If he's not working directly with Rosie, he knows what Rosie does and yeah. is there's a and reason is not stopping finds, her and is maybe even helping her. There's a reason why he you know does not ever come back or does not do anything in any way to cause Elsa to you know right to be found out. Mm-hmm. You know, um and so every other blind fanatic, the teenage boys you know the, um, uh, you know the 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 Rebel Wilson character, uh, Stephen Merchant. Like they're all portrayed as just like really terrible people. Well, they're all portrayed as can't... Nazis. Or do we have to make every single movie so that if uh, if the person that is making fun of is being made fun of understands that they're being made fun of? Like, does does Taika Waititi have to make this movie for Nazis? Or like, and not even that. I'm like, if it's attacking, like. Like, is he supposed to, like, be like, oh, no, JoJo in the end was a real piece of shit and got what he deserves? You know, it's it, it's how she says, you well, know, you're not do- a Nazi. You're just a little boy who wants to be a part of a club. So what are we supposed to be doing with, like, movies like American History X, like, which is a problematic movie, but, like, is clearly it's 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 a film about, like, the trajectory of, like, a change in, in life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a, this but isn't... Is, but because this... Because the movie got made at all, is that pro-Nazi? So you have to spend the whole movie like, you know, boy, I just do no, no, like, like constantly criticizing it because you don't have to because we're not fucking idiots. Yeah, this isn't Life Is Beautiful, which actively kind of like trivializes a lot of like the atrocities and like Roberto Benigni purposely like and and has stated like I steered clear of all that and like kept in inaccuracies just because I didn't want to make it too serious of a film like this movie does not shy away from that shit and this movie does not shy away from you know portraying in its PG-13 in its through the eyes of a child way and portraying some like the atrocities and the horrors of the entire situation and the blind fanaticism. And early on, you get those, you know, that stock footage of the Beatles mania that surrounded Hitler. And like, that is your introduction to Joe. Which is great. He's a which, blind fanatic. And that's the thing. That was a, that but was has a the, good idea. Yeah. And as he sees the world, you get that alteration of him growing into an adult, you know, and maybe that could be like the one criticism, um, that, that, like, what Tiki's doing is maybe, like, this blind, like, complete, absolute hatred of everyone on, like, the opposite side, no matter their age or no matter where they are, might be misguided. And more, it's just like, hey, there's a lot of people who, no, not really good people, but are just fucking ignorant idiots well, and dummies. Or if, maybe, if, there's, if there's any, if, like, he re- doesn't refer to this as an anti-Nazi parody or satire, it's like anti-hate satire, hate yeah. satire. Maybe he's saying, like, hey, like... You can have you, both sides, like both, not, I don't want to say both sides, but, but like but total blind fanaticism to your own ideas requires, shows that you're going to be unable to kind of see the bigger picture. And yeah. like, even if you're on the right side of the idea, 
you know, no matter where mm-hmm. you are, you got to fucking open your eyes and realize that there's other people on the opposite side, even though they have the morally bad idea. A, they're not yeah. morally bad people. They're just fucking well, idiots. But I would argue that you could even, like, to to take Brett Easton Ellis' side about this stuff when he's always trumping aesthetics over ideology and he's trumping. like, he's, oh, I can't believe I said it. <laughs> Trumpeting aesthetics over ideology. There you go. I changed it. Trumpeting? Um, Trump-edding, yeah. Um, uh, so he's, he doesn't want, he's anti-movies that are just kind of like, says out loud in the movie, this is what my ideologies are. So instead of saying like, there's good people and there's bad people, he just makes it sound like there's complicated people. So like Sam Rockwell is a Nazi, but Sam Rockwell is a complicated Nazi. You know what I mean? Stephen Merchant is a Nazi. He's not a complicated Nazi. You know what I mean? You know, Jojo is a Nazi, but he's a very complicated Nazi. You know what I mean? And it's significant that we're dealing with children. Like, the main characters of this movie are essentially children. There is an age divide here where the kids are just kind of being tossed off into this, like, fucking furnace of hate without even really understanding what it means. You know what I mean? And the adults do understand what it means, and some of them make good choices while understanding what it means and some of them make bad choices while understanding what it means. You know what I mean? It's a morally more complicated than bad versus good. And is that what the culture wants us to feel about this stuff? No, but is it maybe truer than we think that it is or that we think that it should be? It probably is. It, it just probably is. You know what I mean? There's There had to have been Nazis that were working against the Nazis. You know what I mean? Yeah, And exactly. they were Nazis, but they were working, they were, you know, in the same way how here, like there were slave owners that were also working against other slave owners. No, hell, they even mentioned that, um, what you call it, the, uh, the oh man, I forgot the name of it right now. It was that it was that Tom Cruise movie. But they mentioned the the attempted attack, oh Valkyrie the Valkyrie attack von you know. Stauffenberg or yeah, whatever von, you know that one eyed bastard yeah. But the thing, but yeah, it's it's bad. It's all bad. But within it, there might be one or two people that are trying to do the right thing within the confines of the terrible thing that they're doing. And I'm not saying he's. I don't think he's saying these people are bad or these. Are, are bad or good he's just saying that these are people and i think the problem with it is that because it's supposed to be funny that anyone that's funny is good and it's just not true it's just funny yeah no, steven merchant's not clearly not good he's just funny i don't think he's like the hero of the movie it's just funny and there's a reason why he's shown decrepit and, yeah. and broke down after being so clean there's a reason why he's like his clothes are mangled and he's yeah. sad and like lumbering at the end. He's no longer like this, you know, the, the Raiders of the Lost Ark villain. Yeah. Um, but yeah, stupid Hitler. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the moral. <laughs> Hitler's a bad guy and you get kicked out of windows. Yeah. Fuck you, Hitler. Fuck off, Hitler. Fuck off, Hitler. Yeah. yeah. All right. Fuck you, Hitler might have been an R rating. Yeah. Oh, you think so? Like it's directing it yeah. at somebody. It's, it's saying, not just like, kind of like a saying, general. Like, I want to have sex with you. Hitler. Yeah. Um, well, I should not say that. Speaking <laughs> of R ratings, um, I think Mario let it, let it slip in the other thing. I mean, you know, if you see, this is probably going to be titled Oscar Nomit, Oscar whatever. No, I think we're just Oscar, gonna, I was just going to put the titles of the movies. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So the, the last movie we're going to talk about tonight is Parasite.
쌈거 진짜니까 착한 거지 I'm deadly serious 근데 지금 진짜로 이상한 게뭔거 같아 sounds like a like a kaiju movie with that music doesn't it mm -hmm. just sounds like there's gonna be like a giant like slug coming out like it's a host sequel yeah there was a giant slug. It's, yeah. you know it's a bong joon movie um this is a film sure is yeah uh about a struggling group of um four who live in a sub basement folding pizza boxes they're doing it with such speed and the accuracy that they get their pay docked and you know they're frustrated and incredibly but they're poor so they have to poor. do it yeah. even when they're fumigating exactly but the fumigation can help with the stink bugs um eventually the son who we'll call kevin we'll just call him kevin, kevin just because if we're having struggling with spanish names you can imagine us struggling with korean names um is offered the ability to take over as the english tutor for um the Parks, very uh, rich family, a very well-off family. The husband is the CEO of what appears to be a virtual reality gaming company because he, he has he has the technology thing. Yeah, because he has the the VR joysticks. Mm, yeah, because I know my game. Well, he's te he's testing them out. And, yeah, and he uh, talks about computing powers. Yeah, so, you know, video gaming. That's how you do it. Um, has he? Uh, Begins tutoring. He discovers that um, the youngest son, Da Sung, uh, is you know is is a talented quote unquote artist. Not really that talented, but uh, the you know the the wife of Park uh, uh, Cho um, is fairly naive, and so Kevin says that he knows a great art therapist, art art teacher, and that is his sister who uh, has some talents with, you know, Photoshop and yep. some artistic eye, and she soon becomes the art therapist. Uh, this, from there, um, the father, uh, played by Song, uh, Song Kang-ho, um, becomes the driver after they, ex not extort, but after they are able to they frame get the, the driver, the driver uh, has a sexual deviant. Um, Having sex in the car with a meth addict. Yeah, must be a meth addict. Uh, Who else would leave their panties in the car? Exactly. Um, get him fired, and uh, he takes the driver job. And uh, the last position is the housekeeper. Who's been there for a long time. Who's been there since the house was uh, originally, built. originally built by this uh, famed architect. Um who she's you know she 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 seems actually in love with the house not so much that even she cares about the family but it's the house itself yeah that is is overpowering but she has a terrible peach allergy and so in a some nicely constructed scenes they sprinkle some peach fuzz on her and make her get a bad cough and go to the doctors which the father you know tells the park's wife Cho that is um, that it sounds like she has tuberculosis. And using some hot sauce, he uh, sprinkles 
onto a tissue to show that she is, you know, coughing up blood mm. and she is removed from the position. And now the family of four has basically living in this house. And a rich family, the Parks family, go off for the son's um, birthday and a camping trip camping because trip. he's become obsessed with Native Americans. Uh, or American Indians, as, mm. as they say in South Korea. Apparently, they don't, apparently the, the, the issues there are not the same as here in terms of... Yeah, different issues. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the housekeeper comes back because she says she needs to you know, retrieve something. It turns out that this house had a uh, sub-basement area that was hidden away for rich people reasons. That was designed because in case the North Koreans... Yep. attacked and uh she has kept her husband there for the past almost half decade because he's in it deep with some loan sharks she soon discovers uh this housekeeper that the family is a family that they're not that they know each other mm -hmm. and she tries to extort them um and and get them removed from the position uh things sort of fall apart from there the housekeeper is accidentally killed um and uh, that kind of sends the husband over the edge. And uh, during a birthday celebration for the boy. Um, which takes place after like a major rainstorm, which yeah. floods. And destroys the, the sub-basement apartment of uh, the poor family. Mm -hmm. um, the Kims? Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the Kims. Yeah. Um, the surnames come first in South Korean. I only learned that recently uh, because of South Korean film. That's a, that's a good thing to realize. Mm -hmm. So Bong is his last, last name. Mm -hmm. um, during a, a birthday celebration, the, the husband of the housekeeper attacks, um, murdering um, the Jessica and uh, eventually leading to a big where-for-all where the husband... Um, of the housekeepers killed and uh, Park recoiling from the smell of, of poverty, as it were, um, forces the, the senior Kim to stab and kill Park. And then he himself goes and hides in the sub-basement, uh, eluding because they still don't realize it's anybody's been there. Mm -hmm. A German family moves in. And Kevin, who had been assaulted with this sort of hanging... Um, artifact uh what it itself is almost like the kind of like the quote unquote i don't want to call it the parasite but it's like this artifact that would bring great fortune and great wealth had been attacked with it um it recovers and uh sets out to um receiving a kind of morse code signal from his father because he's obsessed because his family's obsessed with this house um sets out to hopefully one day obtain the money needed to buy the house to reunite mm -hmm. with his father and that is parasite well, if you want to tweet us, you can at twitter.com <laughs> slash filmpivotal. Um, it's a hard movie to describe because there's a lot Well, you can't, just, you can't describe it. You, you've, left out, you've literally left out everything. Yes. You've been describing this movie for like seven minutes and you've said nothing. Because all the stuff that happens in this movie is all the stuff that happens in between, like, those moments. Like, those are the most significant aspects of this film. For that reason, it is, quite honestly, one of the most unbelievable pieces of filmmaking I've seen in, like, forever. 
Yeah, no, it's 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 with ease one of the most well constructed pieces of art. Um, it's a mass. I mean, it's, 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 it, it is, is a film masterpiece. Yeah, there is fundamentally nothing wrong with this film. I actually I agree with you. I actually don't think it has. I think it has one flaw, and I don't actually even know if it's a flaw as much as it's just clouding my. So I saw it on the 1st. I saw it on November 1st. So it's been 12 days, obviously. Ever since I've seen it, I've been feeling weirder about it. You, you told me this. I'm, I'm interested to see what, what's clouded. Do we, do we start with this? Or do we know. start with what's right? Do we start with what's right? What's right? What's right? So what's right? The... Beyond everything it's beyond everything yeah so the, uh, the performances are are uh, roundly excellent i actually Song, don't think anything Song Kong Ho has been you know somebody who's who's continually worked with uh, with bong yeah um you know i first i mean i've i've always kind of followed the bong filmography i mean i don't think you've seen no i don't anything. i mean and it's um, not one of those things that i'm super worried about i tried to but, watch snowpiercer and i stopped cuz i don't give a shit i don't yeah i don't i'm not a big snowpiercer guy but but he is you know, host is is a movie that almost made my list. There's mm-hmm. there's a something yes, I remember a you. little too much about it. Mm-hmm. Like it feels too full, and thus you feel removed from it. Mm-hmm. But he is. If we were to create a pivotal acting list, that that is a top fifty performance because mm-hmm. he is breathtaking. Maybe would have been like yeah. I think now this replaces it and like and knocks it down so. a bit. But you know, from him and and. and Everybody in this is just doing everything right. Yeah, you know, even even down to you know the, the uh, even down to the, the little annoyances and contrivances of the son's performance. But the, there's there's moments of kind of like clarity where he kind of sees something wrong. But I think that's kind of supposed to be there because I think he's. He's he. We don't even oh, know no, him. Absolutely. We don't even know him as a character. All he's we, not we, a person. He's he's a plot. We know the. Per, but I think he. But I think he's significant in the sense that he's. Um, no one deals with him directly. It's just our. Per, everyone's just perception of him. You know what yeah, I mean. Everyone's is, perception of him is non-human. He right. Is, exactly. He is he's just an idea that token. everyone regards. Which we'll, we will get back to that idea. I mean, I, I. So the performances are fine. The cinematography is unfucking believable. I mean. So yeah, and, and you know, um, the production design, uh, Lee Hong Joon, they fucking built this house. Yeah, and they built this house just so they could block it. And like, I guess, like him and Bong would go to like the, the location mm-hmm. for days just to go like, how's it gonna look like lit here? And they looked at it like at different times a day to see like when we put this window here, how's it gonna look? And it is a it- fucking masterpiece in that in terms of. There is not a single shot in this film where I'm like, oh, I'm looking at... And I guess sometimes in the sub-basement, it kind of just looks like a movie. It just, yeah, it's yeah, kind of yeah. like there. But when you're at this house, and that is when it matters, every time you're at this house, it is fucking... Even though that kind of like post... What was that? Postmodern? Postmodern architecture? It's, it's brutal. It's got like some sort of limits of brutalism. but kind of like a... I don't know. It's like it's got like it tall enough to be brutalist, is it? No, but it's, 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 it's the sharp angles, a lot of the, the kind of like flat concrete. Yeah, but brutalism I thought has more layers. Yeah, but I, it's, I it's but not I'm not a, I'm not a really I'm not um, like an, a, a definitely an postmodern. Yeah, 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 um, but like every single shot of that it house is just so frankly astonishing, and the way by which it's lit, and and the importance yep. of of that facade. Yep, 
not the facade, but by the importance of that window into the backyard, because well, the backyard plays such a pivotal role. And in so this I was climax. Yeah. just is so strikingly overwhelming. I would argue that I would I would argue one of the things that I mentioned to my wife after we saw it was oh, she saw it too. Yeah, we saw it together on our anniversary. Um, she really. I mean, we both were just kind of in awe. Um, but there's nothing is wasted. Yeah, everything is doing more work than you think it's doing. So even, I mean, the pivotal, I think, visual metaphor in this film is the door to the basement, which is, you know, it's lit on the sides, but that like backlit just cabinetry. Um, and it's all orange all the time. It's like a weird glowing kind of orange. It's not like, it's not rippling or anything like that, but it's, 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 seems like it's deep and maybe there's like a it's not pulsing but it seems like it might be it's just it's like a you know it's gradations and stuff like that and then right in the middle of it is a fucking dark door and the and metaphor is so clear until we get the backstory of why kevin or what happened to not kevin what uh, happened to the younger dong, son um dong, dong song yeah park dong song um now he saw a ghost and he's in the kitchen and he's eating that birthday cake and he sees just those two fucking eyes like come up over the thing. You know what I mean? Like the ghost, yeah. And like, that's, that's all that it is. That's the ghost. He sees these two blue crazy fucking eyes that seem like they have like a million circles in the middle of them. And so... And the, it looks like a traditional kind of like spirit. Right, from, but the from metaphor turns into a real thing. Like everything in this movie is doing... Two things. It's 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 metaphorically significant for the for messaging, but it's literally it's functionally significant to the movie. That's crazy. I mean, people don't make movies like that. Any, I mean, I haven't seen one in a long time. I mean, you could just look at something like The Lighthouse, where it's like this is just a metaphor, and that's kind of why it stinks. Or this is just really cool, and that's kind of why it stinks too, because there's nothing behind it. There's none of those. It's it's one of the reasons I really love like the Claire Denis films, because everything seems like it's just stuff piled on top of one another. You know what I mean? And you can dig into it I forever mean, and you can always find a new thing that all these things are attached to. And it's interesting because at times it's like a frustrating experience because it's so You feel like you're missing stuff. Yeah, like it's suffocating. Yeah. And, and the fact that you're like, you're watching it and you just want it to slow down a bit. Yes. Like, yes. Like Rebo- I, I've only seen this once. So me, far, me too. But like, it's going to be something I have to like, revisit several times to like really unpack Maybe not like the the thematic elements of it, but to unpack like visually and and like auditorily what he's doing. Because mm-hmm. like we're talking about like the three layers of film. Like this is the movie that's that's nailing yeah. the oh, three yeah, layers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like everything's in service of something. And then not only that, but like the I've I've seen it compared. I've heard it compared to like a fairy tale in a couple of like a kind of weird fairy tale in a couple of spots. I don't think so either. But there is one shot that I think is very fairy tale like, or at least. Like anime, it almost looks. It almost doesn't look real, and that's after the flood, like when they've escaped the house. You know what I mean? Um, um, Kevin, Jessica, and their father. You know, the mom's still after the family comes home and stuff like that, and everything t- terrible that happens with like the people that are living in the basement and like blah 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 blah. And it's flooding, 
and they're just kind of running down all the stairs and like everything's orange and you see the clotheslines running behind stuff and there it's this descent into this other universe basically you know what i mean but the way that it's shot it's you're not just like following them step for step and you don't just go, they don't just move from one place to another there's this there's this slow steady like long shot descent into um the universe they come from like the hell they come from um and that to me seemed a little fantastical but it but it really but it worked it worked so well in establishing that mood um I don't know. It, 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 there's like a million other things you can point to. Like the rock, I think, is it seems like it's going to be a really ham-fisted metaphor for a while until it kind of stops being a metaphor and turns into a weapon. And then it's just kind of like, it's not even like it doesn't come true. That guy literally throws it at his head. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just like, it's just fuck like a, your metaphor. It's a medium, sh- no, it's a, a medium shot yeah. at just like, yeah, you think it's going to, you think like, it's going to be like the parasite. You think it's going to be the thing that like pushes, and it, 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 to an extent, it is in the sense of um, it's like this this token that exists that kind of like you feel is going to be the symbol of good luck. That that, that subversion of, well, and he's of fortune, to, and he's and trying to becomes, give it to him. Yeah, yeah, but it becomes kind of that token for for what is ultimately their complete undoing. But you you kind of feel it's going to build really heavily into that, and then it's just a fucking rock that's used to you know nearly bash in a kid's brains like like the sound editing on that when that's fucking like the first hit is just like oh okay but like that's a nice that's, subversion of yeah. that but then when it just kind of cuts that medium shot and he just fucking drops it and you just get that just that i'm gonna that be flat thud. Yeah, i'm gonna be very honest with you that one scene almost moves I think moves Midsommar out of like contention for being on like my best of list because that was one of the things that I think Midsommar didn't shy away from like showing that stuff, but it didn't have any of the, it didn't have anything behind it. You know what I mean? It was just like, well, this is a cool shot of exactly. This is like, again, it's doing all, everything is doing all the work all the time. And like the score, I, I feel like I want to say like the score is flawed because I couldn't get a handle on it, but it's also 100% perfect. It sets the table for everything. It's it's all just, the time. It's, it's a mood. It's 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 focused tension. It's um, it it sets a beat. It's 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 a a melody by which it demands. It it works in service of how you to feel about the imagery, not necessarily what's happening. Like what is yeah like what is happening in the scene itself or, or narratively, but how you're supposed to respond to what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. That's how like the score works for me. It is a constant yeah. kind of like heartbeat of. And it's always there, but you don't yeah. even notice it. But like it's then there it is, and it's and it's and it of, is weirdly flat, but it's flat in the sense of just being a constant. Mm. What else? The, the, the good things? I yeah. mean... I feel like we could be overly... I feel like if we're being overly general, it's only because, like... That's, that's, the, that's our spirit. Um, if we're being overly general, it's because... I feel like we could, we could just... 
pick one spot in the movie and like analyze the shit. Oh out yeah, of this it is this for is for like is, an hour. We could do an hour on like every single scene and like how it works and like this is one of those what things that will so be good. deconstructed for forever, ages to come. Let's let's, said, get, let's get to the what doesn't work. Let's you said it's, that, okay. It's not a thing that doesn't work. Not the thing that doesn't work, but the thing that's that's become a parasite. Yeah. In your own okay. Mind. A name popped into my mind when I was watching this movie, and the name is Don DeLillo. And one of the criticisms of Don DeLillo's novels is that he doesn't write characters. He writes vessels for philosophy and vessels for um, expressing Thematic his own ideas ethics. about things. As I've thought, like, thought about this movie and like thought about it and thought about it and thought about it, I haven't really read very many reviews of it because I think I read the Richard Brody review and I think he's, I'm not sure what he wants from this movie, which is what you said too. Um, Like there's just not enough room for imagination. I think there's tons of room for imagination like in, in this film. Like me and my wife spent like an hour and a half just kind of digging into what everything means and like how everything connects. And um, I think one of the interesting questions she, she asked me was why did, why does Jessica die? And normally when people die in movies, you're not like, oh, I wonder why they died. They're just like, well, then, then this person was killed and this person died, whatever. And so we just kind of spent a whole bunch of time like picking apart, like why it was probably significant that she died, um, which leads you back through the whole movie. And everything that she says has some significance to, I think what, Bong Joon-ho is trying to do with her death. Um, But I'm a little uneasy about they don't one of the reasons I'm not I'm not as responsive to the to the performances I think is because they don't strike me as characters. They just kind of strike me as I don't know, like delivery systems or like archetypes of characters or representational figures more so than actual people. And that's kind of what's, that's the only thing that's bugging me about this movie. And it's something that's just kind of come to, um, that's, I, I've, I really feel comfortable with that idea with, and the, I think they're supposed to be on a certain level. I think the parks are definitely supposed to be representative of an Americanized like South Korean, you know what I mean? People who aspire to um, a homogenous Americanization. Um, and I think the Kims, I empathize, I empathize with the Kims. And so my feelings about the Kims as those, like a, the same type of representation, representational figure um, is a little skewed towards thinking that they're not, but I think that they are. Like, I don't think they're supposed to be good people. Mm, I, I don't see it that strength me. I find that, a, I think that's a problem. Hmm. So it's just too, it's too stereotypes almost of two different kinds of people operating on two different levels of like the socioeconomic system in South Korea. And then you just mash them together. And, and that's kind of it. You know what I mean? And who, and then you get to the aspect of like, then the bottom dwellers are just like killing the bottom dwellers to stay like one step above the that, bottom you get that dwellers. Jay Gould sort of, I could pay off half of the working class to kill the other working, half of the working class. Sure. 
argument. Um, and apparently that's like the half thing is very significant to South Korea because apparently like 2% of the wealth is owned by like 50% of the people. So like there's this massive, it's even more so than here apparently, this massive, massive income um, disparity. disparity in South Korea than it is here. And I think I wasn't moved. The problem is I was moved by Jojo and I was moved by Salvador. You know what I mean? I was moved by Rosie and I was moved by Elsa and I was moved by Alberto and, and, and Frederico. I wasn't moved by any of these people. I was just in awe of the movie. You know what I mean? And I, it's just, it's one of those things that prevents it, I think, from reaching the heights that I think it, I want it. A movie that looks and feels like this should be reaching. What do you think about that? That's my, that's my like one little bugaboo. The, the thing I find interesting about that is, is it's your criticism of that strikes me as Richard Brody's criticism. In, in the fact that he says it, it reach, almost reaches greatness but doesn't go far enough is what he says. It kind of doesn't subvert enough is, is what I'm he is what he no 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 yeah but that's that seems to be what he's asking for right he, he's asking for that sub he says like he wants that subversion and you're saying you want that that heart and brain connection and i feel as though you're both looking for the same thing i think he's looking for this subversion to kind of like hit him somewhere in the a subversion gut. of what though no what he's asking for is like that subversion or um no, for my, my take is like his subversion or like going further in, in its message to, to really... No, see, I didn't get that from his review. I got the, from his review that it was over-directed and overwritten, And that like he's connecting dots for us and he's using obvious... Yeah. He's using obvious metaphors to kind of convey a very obvious message. And I'm saying that like, I love... I don't think that's the case. I think he's doing amazingly smart and brilliant but, things... But I think the character is a, the characters are lacking an internal, but I think, individualized sense of being. So they're all it's just four people versus four people, and then there's two people that align equally to like part of the four. But this, I, I think what you're both looking for is like the same thing. You're both looking for the same ends, even though you're thinking of it in different means. I think I think you're both, and I, I think for me, it's hard to review this film because I think this is the best film made in maybe the past like five years, but I would never even think about, you know, knocking something off the list for this because there is no emotional heart to it. But that's and, where you get the emotional heart from, right? From the characters. I don't know. Cause I don't, I don't think that's the point. I think this is in service of being an idea. It's, it's in service of just sure of promoting an idea, but not necessarily doing anything else with that in the sense of, it's 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 presenting like like they kind of argued like this fairy tale. It's 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 doing some degree of moralizing, but it's not doing that in a way to make you feel any way. It's just kind of it feels ultimately to me like this constructed story, so carefully told out and and, and dealt in such a way. Um, you know, where these people exist merely as objects of those ideas. Sure. Is a movie meant I agree to, with you. Is a movie meant to not make you feel any way? It's a movie to make it 
think about it. Make you think it about here's a th- maybe to to give you a sense of 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 perspective of it, it's two contrasting maybe three contrasting ideas of of you know the wealth and and the things they do that they you know a perspective of of what a wealthy person might might do that that's wrong against the working class even though they don't realize it even though they think they're working in service of a working mm-hmm. class and offering opportunities um, and the things they do to marginalize and sub- subjugate those people what the working class people will do to um, you know what they feel like they're doing to kind of like benefit the wealthy um, but also you know the way they kind of like subjugate them in a certain way and I feel like that the, the entire parasite title overall works in subjects of like this extremely parasitic divide and relationship between it's like these symbiotic like yeah. groups. It's like it's symbiotic, but it's, 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 it all is they're all feeding, feeding off, off each, each other. other. Yeah. They're not actually really off. Really, they they're have not benefiting a, each other. They're just, yeah, they have an imagery yeah. and they have a, a belief that they're benefiting each other to kind of justify their own mm-hmm. actions. Um, you know, the feeding off of the other working class are, are, are subjugating or removing the other half of the working class. The, you know, the taking advantage and the evasion of a person's private space. The offering a person a, a well-paying position while also using them as a tool of mockery. I mean, that part where Sung is underneath the um, the table mm-hmm. and just they're talking about how he smells kind of of onions and it just like stays on his face mm-hmm. and it doesn't do anything it just stays there and lets him not cry not do anything it's just the way his face is so still well i think he's I mean, doing so much work there i think when he's dressed up as the indian it's it's like worse like yeah. his it's or he's like just, he's just ruined or just like the perverse sexuality in in, in getting you know the quote-unquote getting off on poverty you know like yeah. oh you want to buy me drugs you know that sort of thing and i see this like I don't see these characters have as being truly, fully fleshed out, realized people. I think they're ideas. This reminds me a lot of like exterminating angels, like a lot of Lou Spinell movies, mm-hmm. of like telling these tales, like in a, in a fairly surrealistic nature. Like this is kind of this is really surrealistic, and I think that's where the kind of the ideas of of a fairy tale come in. But this is like even though it's very natural, like how carefully constructed everything is from the lighting from. You know, from from illuminating the peach fuzz. I don't know if that's you know yeah, CGI but, or just really well done lighting. Like everything feels so utterly kind of still unnatural. Or even like the ghost, the the, the husband, you know, being presented as kind of like a like what you'd imagine like an Eastern kind of like specter. Mm-hmm. I don't know the term for them. Um, like those are all kind of just ideas, and these people exist as ideas. Like it's it's it's. It's like a banal film, or it's like something like even like even modern. Like look at like Panicky's like funny games. Like those people aren't characters; they're not anything. They're just representing desperate ideas, and they don't have any sort of depth. And the only sort of emotion you're supposed to draw from that is the fact that it is a reflection of something you're seeing, to an extreme, very surreal and and, and not realistic. I not realistic extent, but when you whittle everything down and you think about the ideas and you think about the themes, you're like, Oh, this is something that's occurring on a micro level, at least every day. Sure. But I don't, but I think my problem is that I'm not going, and we just talked about this with like pain and Gloria, like a little bit, like I'm not, it doesn't do anything for me or it doesn't do enough for me to say like 
to acknowledge that like this is happening every day and I'm witnessing like, you know, kind of example of, of that type of thing. And the Bunuel criticism I think is apt except to a point like so this is this is vague you could argue that this is somewhat surrealist, but like Bunuel's movies are surrealist. No, yeah, this like, is they're examples they're they're satires of a lifestyle. And this kind of isn't this kind of isn't that because it's embracing both sides of both lifestyles like both people are right and both people are wrong no i agree but it's but maybe that's a more grounded take on it um it's it's not necessarily coming up with a a quote-unquote furrowed sort of criticism of one side or the other it's it's both presenting the merits and 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 harms of each other and maybe just exemplifying the fact that there is this gross misunderstanding on both sides, you know, like, like not real, like, like there's with parks, like the park family's kind of like treatment of, um, the, the Kim family. It's, it's, it's like a, not at all knowing what they're doing, you know? And, no, but and it's, it's also not like, they're also being, and I've heard this argument like from everyone, they're being, the parks are also being taken advantage of. Yeah. Like, and so they're not, they're treating them badly, I guess. But they're also being treated badly, and the park, the Kims are being treated badly by, like society. But they're also, you know, they have their ways of circumventing society's rules and 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 expectations and things like that. You know what I mean? So no one's blameless, and no one is necessarily yeah, completely at fault. Completely at fault, which kind of we arrive at like a zero sum game at some point. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just a perfectly executed, like visually and, and you know, whatever piece of film, but there's like a, there is, it's not the same hollowness as lighthouse. It's cause that was due to like a lot of other stuff, but there seems to be like a little hollowness here. Like for me. And it's there, the the complete lack of emotional connection to this movie is kind of like throwing me off my game a little bit. See, and for me, it's 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 not hollowness. It's just a different experience. It's an intellectual kind of thought experience. Which I'm, it's, it's a completely it's completely devoid of. But here's the thing: I have though. no sort of emotional revelation. But here's this. the thing, and I would argue, and I, I know we have to go, but I would argue that there's stuff that you can say works on an intellectual level like primarily works on an intellectual level. You know what I mean? But I still think the best art takes that emotion and it takes that intellectual experience and draws you in emotionally. So like there's representation, I'll use like the visual art stuff. There's representational significance in like Duchamp's like, urinal turned upside down and like that's a piece of art you know what i mean there's representational significance to like ansel adams and his american flags or and you I mean, i'm talking about pop art here you know what i mean where it's primarily an intellectual thing where you're taking something out of context putting it in a new context and trusting the viewer to make that switch themselves and then it becomes art you know what i mean but i think there's similar things where like I think I experienced like a lot of collage artists like Joseph Cornell or um, David Vernerovitz does this stuff, and I think uh, like a Lynch a history kind of does this a little bit too, where you're taking intellectual things and you're placing them in a context where they can be appreciated emotionally, and I don't think 
that is happening here. I think it's, I think he's, and I think it's probably everything he wanted to do. And judging from like the very few reviews I've read, apparently he really digs into class a lot in a lot of his movies. Yeah. Bong Joon-ho. Like, so class is something he cares about a lot. Um, I think there's a polemic nature here where he's just saying like, fuck you to everybody. But I, I want, I want to feel that when I'm watching this movie, I want, that's the last dot. There's like, I, I'm looking at my Pokemon binder here. It's like, if this was a connect the dot thing and like, I just didn't connect dot 99 to a hundred. So you, you should, I, I would vehemently suggest you watch the host then. Cause if you're looking for that, like that emotional spot mm-hmm. and, and like that's earnest and not fucking Snowpiercer because people need to stop recommending Snowpiercer. I like Bong Joon-ho. Chris Evans is in it. Captain America. Snowpiercer is not, not, not very good. <laughs> but, but the host does that. And I think that's where the host kind of misses the mark for me in the sense that it kind of like dwells more into the emotion mm-hmm. of, of like that class experience. And it does that at the sacrifice of like the first hour and a half of really well-crafted film. Mm-hmm. And it kind of becomes this more like emotional experience and this more like really uh, vulnerable kind of film. Mm-hmm. And and I think the thing I really loved about Parasite is is its utter lack of vulnerability. It, it is... Oh, it's... Br- I mean, it's brutal in a way that like a lot of movies you could wish t- they were brutal. You could tell me this movie was made by like a machine and I would believe you. Like that... Like some sort of thing completely, utterly devoid of like the human experience made this <coughs> and just made this like has an outside kind of observer yeah. of, of human beings. And I would buy it. I mean, it's a, I mean, it is a, a fucking experience. I mean, it is, it is really something. It is. I mean, of all the films that have come out this year, I'd say like this and Highlight are the two movies that, you know, you'd have to like actually truly sit down and experience. Well, I and think for completely, and completely different reasons. reasons. And I think High Life makes I think High Life makes that connection. Like it's a Claire Denis film, so it's clearly intellectual. You know what I mean? Um, but but see, there's all like, this that's raw what, emotion seething underneath. And maybe that's it. that's maybe that's what kind of bugged me about about High Life in a certain degree is like when she goes truly raw in High Life, she like loses a bit. She like oh see and I don't she, I feel I, like I, I feel like she lets the balloon slip a bit and I, I don't think she does and, and she, I think she, she regets she grabs it back but I kind of feel like she, there comes this like when you become vulnerable you lose con- you lose a, a complete see, inherent control but I want in all art I want the sense that like this could go and that's I mean that's how I've done all my bands that's how I've done all my like records and stuff like that everything. I love in I love that kind of imperfect. I love that kind of vulnerability. I love leaving yourself open. I think the great thing about High Life, and we can literally talk about High Life forever, is that we have enough. When fun. she does feel like she's letting go, like she reigns it in back one in. way, she grabs it with like the score, or she grabs it with like a shot. You know she what knows, I mean? She knows or how she grabs it, it with feel, a, yeah. a a a mon a, like a quick like jump cut to like something else which kind of like like oh I still got it don't worry about it I'm here like I'm here directing this whole thing this is not but even she is she has historically just kind of shoots this way she's just like well this isn't doesn't work I need to do this we have to do this let's change this we'll like put this here and then yeah. you know I'll film this movie and then I'm going to put it all crooked and like whatever um again which is not to say that this is anything other than like an exceptional piece of filmmaking it's just got that one 
what's that one line? I need that. I just want that. I'm just like, 12 days later, I'm like wishing to God that he had connected that line. So I could feel like some of the stuff that I feel about High Life about this movie. You know what I mean? Because I would, I kind of, as it started watching it, I was like, my list is getting destroyed. And now my list is not destroyed. Like at all. And I, as the movie started, I was like, I'm ready. You know, like when, like if you're going to get heart surgery or something. I've never, I haven't had heart surgery. Have you had heart surgery? Seven times. But <laughs> you know how each of those times you were just like, okay, Ladies. I'm ready. Like I'm, I'm ready for the, I'm ready for this. You know what I mean? And when the film started, I was like, holy shit. Like doing we're it. Going, we're, it's doing it. It's doing it. And then it didn't do it. And then like after everything was said and done, it didn't do it. I mean, it kind of did it. It did it. 99 out of a 99 out of 100 to just keep doing this connect the dots metaphor but I don't know I didn't one thing I learned about about I guess Korean culture is that I didn't know that's how like uh, burial places were well that's a common thing no I don't know like like for poor people maybe it's just too many people I don't know do they do cemeteries I don't know I don't know I, 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 I I, it's something after there. I saw the movie, I was like, I'm going to want to research this more. Because I've seen plenty of Korean cinema. I just had never seen that before. So I was like, is this like common? Kind of like a really well-lit room full of urns? Mm-hmm. You know what's weird about Pain and Glory? Nobody stabs anybody in Pain and Glory. But in the other two movies, people get stabbed. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty what's that graphic. About? That's a pretty graphic stabbing in Parasite. <laughs> yeah, good stabbing. Like that. That is definitely a movie where I'm like, like for a while there, I was like, this is great art for fight. I was like... Asa's going somewhere, isn't it? And that does, and it, like then like the, she falls down the stairs. And I'm like, oh, that's not so bad. And the rock, but like the rock thing happens. And I'm like, that's bad, but not like terrible. And then all of a sudden, like the stabbing happens. Yeah. Like, there it is. But yep. I mean, I could, I would just assume they rated it R for craziness. Like because once that door opens, once the pickled, the cabinet of pickled vegetables opens, it, my mind is blown off its like foundation. Yeah. So, yeah weird it's it's hard to talk about it's just it's gonna be a movie that sticks around forever but this has to be like this is gonna get a good like this has to be something that gets good chunks of nominations though right well they're not submitting it i don't think for um foreign language which makes sense because they're like they don't want hollywood to do the foreign language that's it. I mean, I'm assuming we could probably Maybe guess be what's disqualified. Getting, we can assume what's going to get nominated for like best picture. This movie is better than all of them. And I haven't even seen half of them, I'm sure. I watch Highlight get nominated for best picture. It's like, fuck, damn it. <laughs> I really look like an idiot on that one episode. <laughs> um, yeah, if you want to tell me that I'm an idiot, you can email us at pivotalfilmpodcast at gmail.com. Or tweet us at twitter.com slash pivotalfilmpivotal. Or uh, our pivotal film, we just won't get it. Yeah, we won't get it. Someone, well, I guess someone, you, you will someone get at, it? You would just at Film Pivotal, I guess? At, I guess you at wouldn't, Film Pivotal, yeah. You wouldn't really tweet us. I guess you would just do at Film Pivotal. Who cares? I mean, Maybe that's why people haven't tweeted us, because we've always said twitter.com slash Film Pivotal, yeah. not just tweet at, us at Film Pivotal. Yeah, we just don't know the language. We don't know the language. We, do we, don't, awesome. know, we don't know Korean. Just we don't know Spanish. We don't know Twitter. In next like, Friday, we're like, we got 70,000 tweets. And we're not doing lists for another two months. We're just going to read tweets. Um, I'm never going to talk about the tweets. We're just going to read them. Yeah. What is that about? That was weird. 
Um, yeah, or go to uh, pivotalfilm.com to see a list of the movies on our list. And um, the list of the beers and, and our not beers we're drinking. Yeah, and we're going to, you know, so this, I think we're going to put this up tomorrow. It's Tuesday. Put it up on Wednesday. Yeah, uh, and we'll have, it's, uh, it'll be on 1ADP. What the hell does that mean? One day after Disney Plus. Oh, okay. That's how we're doing time now. Mm-hmm. Very good. I'm happy about that. Um, now I know where I stand in the universe. In um, May, it's going to get weird though, because we're going to have to be like one. It'll have to be like three sixty, like two eighty ADP, and then like one A H M for yeah. you know, HBO Max. But not not and one P for the Peacock. NBC's streaming service. Oh, they have one? Yeah, they're gonna, yeah. Well, that's sad. And definitely, definitely never one for one Apple TV. No, no, no. The only streaming service that could potentially ever, you know, give us funding because after about like three weeks, somebody's gonna be like, yeah, nobody's gonna watch Dickinson. <laughs> nobody's gonna watch your fucking Dixon, Dickinson show. Well, they have six shows, and I think all they have of the them, astronaut but show, two right? are bad. Oh, they yeah. have the astronaut show. They have the astronaut show. They have Dickinson. They have the morning show. They have C, that weird Jason Momoa and everyone's blind show. Didn't they do a? Didn't they already do like didn't Hulu do an astronaut show with like Sean Penn? They all did astronaut shows. All right, uh, drink a beer. No, see a movie, drink a beer, and then see another movie and drink more beer, and we'll talk to you on Saturday.